Look in Acts 20, if you would, again. We've been on a series on Sundays that we're calling Faithful to Finish. Acts 20 and 22. Acts 20, 22, Paul said by the Spirit, he said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save or except the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Living a life of faith does not assure that you'll have no challenges. In fact, the scripture says, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Not suffer from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But that doesn't mean you've been redeemed from all discomfort and unpleasantness and even suffering. But it's suffering what? Persecution. Persecution. Keep reading. He said, uh, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. Said out loud, finish my course, finish my course. With, joy. with joy. That I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. And that word can also be translated service. My service which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Here we see the Spirit of God inspiring Paul and him saying, none of that matters. Whether there's bondage and affliction waiting on me at Jerusalem, what matters? And he said, I don't even count my life dear to myself. That's not the main thing, is me living longer. We need to realize this life is very, very short. And, um, you know, nobody's still alive from the 1700s. Is that right? Or 1800s. So in a few days, the Lord tarries his coming. None of us will be here. And so you being able to squeeze out another year or two or five or ten, is that the main thing? It's not, because that's nothing in the scheme of eternity. What is the main thing? Well, there is a God, creator of the heavens and the earth, and of human beings. And he has a plan for you. Somebody say, he has a plan for me. What's the big thing in this life? That I find that plan, and that I fulfill what he has made me to be and do, And that I complete it. That I finish it before I get out of here. Now sadly most of the world is not thinking that way at all. They are not even seeking God's plan. Millions of them don't even believe God's real or that he exists. So they're certainly not going to find and finish their course. And also that's one of the reasons why many people die young. Die wrong. They don't even come close to finding and fulfilling their purpose and course. But for those that will make a full measure of commitment to him, he's able to keep you fully. Hallelujah. And even cause you to have 
and be satisfied with a long life. But not just so that you can hang around a long time, so that you can get something done that you're supposed to be a part of. True or not? That's what the word reveals. Now he goes on to say, or, or he said, I'll repeat it, that I don't count my life, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself, but that I might finish my course with joy. Now skip forward a bunch of years to 2 Timothy 4. Go to 2 Timothy 4. And a bunch of years after Paul made that statement, he is actually nearing the end of his course. The time he was talking about. 2 Timothy 4. He's revealing that he realizes it won't be long until he dies and leaves this life. So he is getting to the end of his race and course. 2 Timothy 4 and 5, and this is the complete Jewish translation I'm reading, said, but you remain steady in every situation. 2 Timothy 4 5, CJB. Said, endure suffering, do the work that a proclaimer of the good news should, do everything your service to God requires. Verse 6, but as for me, I'm already being poured out on the altar. Yes, the time for my departure has arrived. Hmm. You know, arrivals and departures. Arrivals into the earth are births. Departures are deaths. And uh, they tell us today that some 150, 160,000 people will die you know, all over the globe. Almost two every second. So if you could back off from the surface of the planet and see in the spirit people are leaving here by the scores of thousands every day. And even more than that are arriving. The arrivals are more than the departures. And soon and very soon it'll be you and me. Leaving here. Is it too early to think about finishing up? It's not. I assure you. If you're 15. It's not too early. I'm telling you. It's not too early for you to be thinking. Why? Because how many used to be 15? (laughs) And that was 40 years ago. 60 years ago. Whatever. Right? Does it seem like it's been an eternity? Since then? No. No. And so we should be thinking about finishing because time moves so quickly. We do not have any time to waste. The Bible says be redeeming of the time. Save the time. Redeem the time. He said, as for me, I'm ready to be, I'm already being poured out. The time for my departure has arrived. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Like we said uh, last week that the, uh, the original languages, the structures reversed from that. And it would read like this. The good fight I have fought. The race I have finished. The faith I have kept. What better words 
when you're about to breathe your last, when you're about to leave this world, you're about to leave this life, and you can say, what? No, you'd hear well done later. If you've been faithful. But I'm talking about when you're leaving here, about to breathe your last, you could say, I've fought a good fight. Hmm. What a difference than filled with regrets. Saying, I wasted so much time. I wasted my life. I thought I'd have more time. I should have done this. I could have done this. I kept putting this off. Yeah, but you're out of time. I'm just sure that many of the people that will leave here today, all over the world, that 160,000, the majority of them, as they're leaving their body, will think, I thought I had more time. I thought we, we were going to do this, and we were not going to do that, and we were going to change, and we're going to, well, that's all over. That's all over. But you and I are still here, still breathing. God's still on the throne. The sun's still shining. There's still opportunity even to make up for some lost time. I'm telling you, God is the God who can restore what was consumed by the grasshopper and the locust and and all this. I'm telling you, you give yourself completely to him. It's amazing what he can do in a short amount of time. He can help you make up for lost time. But you got to quit procrastinating and you got to quit acting like you're going to live down here forever because you are not now he goes on to say and since he's fought a good fight finished the race kept the faith there's waiting on me a crown of righteousness and not to me only but all all them that love his appearing now go with me to Hebrews 12 please Hebrews 12 verse 1 And he he lists two big reasons why people are hindered in finishing their race or even, you know, prevented from finishing their course or race. Hebrews 12, 1 says, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And that's all the faith men and women that he had just mentioned in chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. One of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished. Did he finish his earthly course and run? Did he do it completely? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He is our ultimate example. And that's why the scripture is telling us We're to run our race with perseverance, looking to his example. Because if we do what he did, then we can finish like he did. And he mentioned two things that we've got to get out of the way. Weights 
and sins. These are obviously the two big areas that would trip you up in running your race, cause you to fall, cause you to be fatigued. Weights, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Lay aside every weight in order to do what? Run your race. He's using the graphic example of the games where our Olympics came from, the origin of that. And uh, they do not run with heavy equipment on. I mean, they get the lightest thing and something that won't restrict their movement. I mean, when you're pushing to, uh, you know, hundredth of a second difference between first and fourth place or something, then every ounce matters. Right? Well, why is he talking to us about this? Because if you carry weights, that's a different thing from sins. Sin is violation of light. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But James says to him that knows to do good and and does it not, to him it's sin. Why? Because of what he knows. Did you you see that? To him that knows, knew something and didn't do what you knew. Well, that's violation of light. That's sin. But this category, weight, that's not what he's talking about. That's just something you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying and that weighs you down and drags you. For one thing, the Lord commanded us to cast all of our cares over on him. Guilt is heavy. Shame is heavy. Regret is, is heavy. Sin consciousness, it's, it's heavy. Hauling things from all your mistakes in life. You ever heard of people, you know, so they say, well, they, they got a lot of baggage. <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? A lot of junk from the past. They're lugging around. And you know, one thing that I, I really don't like, and it, it, it's a bad thing, but it's become very common among many churches, is folks talking about how broken they are. And that we're all just broken people. Where'd you get that? What scripture is that? Now the Bible talks about that if you have a broken and a contrite heart, that God won't despise that. That's talking about humility. And being humble is one of the best things you could be. But talking about you're a damaged soul, scarred from the past, that's acting like God can't heal you. And what that results in is that you're dragging around a lot of stuff. And even talking about it, even maybe boasting about it, about how You're still alive, but you're so scarred and you're so damaged, but God loves you anyway. Yeah, he loved you enough to save you from all of that and can heal you from anything. Do you believe it or not? You do not have to go through life as damaged goods. 
You must quit saying it. I don't care who's got wrote a song that talks about it. Is it Bible? Is it scripture? Did the Lord tell you that you're a damaged soul but he loves you anyway? No. He took your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, carried your pain and your shame. That wasn't for him. He hung on the cross. He was spit on and cussed and mocked and hit. Why? For you. For me. Why? So we could be knocked and hit on and spit. No. So we could be free. The chastisement of our peace was on him. When they shoved that crown of thorns down into his scalp and the blood ran down, that's not so you could be a broken individual. So you could have the peace that passes understanding, keeping your heart and mind, because he whom the Son has set free is not a broken individual. He or she is free indeed. All of us have been hit and hurt somehow, some way, but we got a healer. I said, we got a healer. The Lord is my shepherd. Among other things, he restores my soul. Somebody say, he restores my soul. No matter how badly you had been abused, misused, mistreated, betrayed in the past, don't live in the past. Let God heal you. I said, let God heal you. He can heal you of anything. He can heal you to the point it's like it never even happened. Or you can dredge it up every few days and talk about it and cry and feel sorry for yourself the rest of your life. And it will limit you and restrict you. And you may imagine that you can't do anything about it. But it's acting like you don't have a God that's big enough to do something about it. He restores my soul. Somebody needs to say that. He restores my soul. He heals the brokenhearted. Well, if you're healed, you ain't brokenhearted anymore. <laughs> if you're brokenhearted, you're not healed yet. Say it out loud. He heals the brokenhearted. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. He's made me whole. Whole. Whole means nothing missing. Nothing broken. Nothing lacking. What about just believing everything you hear? Singing every song that comes along. Need to ask yourself continually. Where's that at? In the Bible. Where's that at? In the scripture. <laughs> Waits. And sins is what hinders folks from running their entire race. You got enough weight on you, you're not going to make it to the finish line. Every step with a hundred pound backpack and all this stuff wrapped around you and junk, every step gets harder and harder and harder and you'll get tired and you'll quit. But the Lord never told us to carry all this junk. He said, casting all your cares, is that right? Over on him. The other thing is sins. Violating light. Go with me to the book of uh, 
Genesis, if you would please. Two openings. Let's look at Genesis 3. And then we'll also look at 2 Corinthians 10. So we can just go right from one to the other. And I'll give you a third one just for extra measure. Put up on the screen. <laughs> They'll do this while you're looking up Genesis. 2 Corinthians 2.11. What's two big things that Hebrews 12 there said that uh, would hinder us or prevent us from finishing our race? Weights and sins. What do you do with the weights? Lay them aside. What do you do with the sins? Repent. Get out of it. Right? If we want to finish our course and our race, we have to be serious about these things. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, he said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. This word for devices is the same word for thoughts. Same word that's translated thoughts in 2 Corinthians where he talks about chapter 10, where he talks about casting down imaginations, bringing into captivity every thought. That's the same word here translated device. So there's a lot of insight into his device, devices. They are thoughts. Thoughts. There are thoughts that are deadly dangerous. Deadly dangerous. And to entertain them is to play with failure. To even think them is to toy with death. And we, we must understand this is where the real spiritual battle occurs. Now, um, the Darby translation of 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we might not have Satan get an advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his thoughts. That's the Darby, D-A-R-B-Y translation. We're not ignorant of his thoughts. Say it out loud. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of Satan's thoughts. Thoughts. Now in Genesis 3, did you find that? In Genesis 3 is the story of what happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned. And even though that's been a long, long, long time ago, it works the same today. The enemy works the same. The same operation, using the same kind of things. Were they hindered from the plan of God for their life? Their course that they were on and running. Was it disrupted? Completely disrupted. And this tells us how it happened. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now we know the enemy manifested through the serpent. And the word subtle has to do with uh, being crafty and cunning. The enemy never comes obviously. Never. So he's not going to come And try to get you to say, let's just quit God. Let's just quit God and forsake his will and plan. Let's just do it. 
And he's not going to do that. He knows the chances for success with that are, are very small. So he's going to come another way. And this is telling you that that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He came at them sideways. He came at them from behind. So that it wasn't obvious to them what was going on. Now we're still talking about running your race. Finishing your race. Does the enemy want you to finish your race? He does not because you finishing your race will impact other people for God. And you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. Just you running your race, doing what God told you to do, being where you're supposed to be, being involved in what you're supposed to be doing, it'll impact your family for God, your neighbors for God, your co-workers for God. And the, the results if the Lord tarries his coming, will extend to the next generation. The enemy does not want you finishing your race and your course. And this is what he'll do, the same kind of thing. He, he was more subtle, more cunning, deceptive, tricky than any beast of the field. He said to the woman, what, what's Satan's devices? Thoughts. He brought her, he said something to her. What are words? They're thought containers. He brought her some thoughts that were not from her, not from Adam, not from God. They were devilish thoughts, enemy thoughts. And he didn't start out with declaration. He starts out with a question. He just asking a question. <laughs> It's like that phrase, I'm just saying. Yeah, but what are you saying? I'm just asking a question. Is that so bad? Yeah, it can be life and death. And you need to know when to shut it down. So I'm just asking, what? you're not going to ask that question here. Why? Because it was challenging what God said. We are to be completely intolerant. Of people besmirching our God. Leaving some kind of an innuendo or suggestion that God might be not doing us right or any. I mean, you, you don't even let them finish the sentence. Maybe God's not real or we're done talking. Maybe Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. Done. Done. Why? Because listening to the enemy is dangerous. He's been deceiving human beings for millennia. He's really accomplished at it. You and I don't know much. You don't. Hadn't been alive long enough to know too much. The only safe place is you and I clinging to what God said. Is that right? Not being open to anything else. That's the only safe place. But the enemy came and said, has God said? You know, we're just talking here. 
Did God say you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Any of them. That included the tree of life that you may eat and live forever. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat of it. You don't touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You know, it's more complicated than that. You won't die, die. You won't really die. Oh, watch out when things start getting complicated. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's so true. The scripture said in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 3, in the New Testament, he said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his what? There's that word, subtlety, through his cunning, his deceptiveness, his trickiness. The, the, the serpent tricked Eve. She believed his lie. She thought it was so. He said, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the what? Simplicity. Somebody say simplicity that is in Christ. Was the command confusing? Don't eat of that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that tree because if you do, you will die. Don't eat of that tree. But then the enemy comes back to Genesis 3 now. He comes and says, well, first just questioning. What what exactly did God say? See, he wants to get technical. Uh Uh Let's read the language in the contract now. (laughs) See, there's probably a way out of this. What exactly did he say? He said, you don't eat of the tree, you'll die. And then the the enemy said, well, you won't surely die. You won't. It's not. It's not just die. (laughs) You got to remember, they have not a clue what death is. They've never experienced any death. There's no death in the garden. The grass doesn't die. Animals don't die. The trees don't die. Nothing dies. They don't even know what he's talking about. You won't surely die. But he goes on to say, God knows in the day you eat thereof. Now see, he's talking about what God knows now. You know, God, he knows that In the day you eat of that fruit, your eyes are going to be opened. And you'll be as gods, 
you'll become more than you are. And you will have experiences you've not had. And this is what you're looking for. This will make you God's. What are we talking about? Paul said, my hour's come. Time of my departure's here. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my, my course. I've kept the faith. Then just a couple of verses later, he said, Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world. It's not an accident that in, within a few verses, you got one man finishing his course wonderfully, faithfully, and another man just completely unhooked and leave Paul and leave the ministry and leave God. We got no reason to think that Demas got back on track, but that he didn't finish his course. Why didn't he finish it? The Bible said he loved this present world. Now, 1 John, if you put that on the screen, 1 John 2, 15 1 John 2.15 says what? Don't love the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is a, a competition for your mind time and for your affection. And to love this ungodly world is to choose it instead of love for God. Keep going. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. And you will see those exact three things happening with Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. These exact three things. We'll point them out in just a moment. Lust and lust, lust just means longing, a longing of the flesh, a longing of the eyes, a pride of life. He said it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Keep going. And the world passes away, and the longings thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. There's no wisdom in sin. None. Why? Because this is going to be over in a flash. And what am I forfeiting? To ignore God and disobey Him. Go back to Genesis. Chapter 3. What do you think Adam and Eve imagined was going to happen? When they disobeyed God. Eve was believing lies. The Bible said in Timothy she was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. What did they think was going to happen? They don't know what dying is. They'd never been in a place with the curse. They don't know what death is. But see, the problem is they decided they wanted this. And that that was going to make them happy. That was going to give them something that they really wanted. And, and it's going to enhance them. 
And in making that choice, ignoring God, disobeying God and going for that, they proved beyond question they did not trust him. They did not trust God. Now the enemy, he's going to do his best to hide from you the results of sin. Because if you saw that real clear, <laughs> you would say, no. Uh-uh. But see, they did not know how much it was going to cost them. And they had no idea how bad death was. And they had no idea what it's like to live in a cursed place. They didn't even have any briars or thorns or weeds. They didn't need any air conditioning. It never got hot or cold. They had no idea. You ever heard somebody say, well, you know, sometimes (laughs) it's easier to get uh, forgiveness than it is permission. That's the speech of unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness. What do you mean? I don't know what they thought. If they thought, well, you know, they probably didn't think they'd be moving. This is the only home they'd ever known. But they're about to be kicked out of paradise. They had no idea. Eve had no idea what labor and childbirth is like. Adam had no idea what sweating in the field and aching muscles and old bones. They had no concept. But you don't have to understand it if you'll just trust God. What do you mean? Just trust God. If he says it's bad, trust him. If he says it's wrong, trust him. If he says don't do it, trust him. Now, we can't judge them. Because all of us have gone for something we knew better. Hell, okay, it's quiet in here today. Are we still talking about running your race? Finishing your course? Every one of us has had, can have in the future, your flesh and even your unrenewed mind wanting something that God didn't want you to have. Every one of us living in this world. And it comes down to how much do you trust him? Because the enemy will paint the picture. Oh, you want this. And yeah, you know, technically it may not be right. Or some people say it's not right. But but you know... You can just first John 1 9 it later. Well, you can. And God will forgive you. But what's it going to cost you? I said, what's it going to cost you? People don't have to forgive you. <laughs> no, they don't. No, you have to forgive me. You're wrong about that. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, God told him to. Well, you ain't not done everything God told you to do either. <laughs> what did they think was going to happen? Go, go back to it. God knows, the serpent said, in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened. You'll be as gods. That's an appeal to pride. Knowing you'll know things you don't know now. Well, okay, but there's some things you're better off not knowing. Is that right? And when the woman, verse 6, you'll see the, these very three things we just saw in 1 John 2, 15. The woman saw the tree was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. The longing of the flesh. To taste it. To savor it. To enjoy it. What am I talking about? These are the things the enemy uses. To get you, to get me off track if he can. To get us to give up and quit running our race. To get us to never finish our race. To get us sidetracked. Chasing something. Like this. And it was pleasant to the eyes. What's that? Lust of the eyes. Longing of the eyes. It looked amazing. And it just, it looked like it would taste so good. And the enemy is, uh, you know, he, he moved the branches a little bit so that the sunlight would hit it. Is that right? And the lighting was perfect. And then he did the Vanna White thing, and he and, and he he said, "Can you see this? Did you do you see? Did you see that color? It's perfectly ripe. It's ready right now." And a big dewdrop fell off of it. And then he 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 waved the smell, you know, over towards, and he said, "Is this complicated?" It had become complicated now and complex, but, but was it really still simple? Notice what he said. Paul said by the Spirit of God to the church at Corinth, he said, I'm, I'm concerned lest uh, like the, the devil, the serpent, deceived Eve through his subtlety and craftiness so your minds would be corrupted and removed from the simplicity that is in Christ. We got to forget about how it looks, how it smells, how it might taste, what it might do. There's only one thing that matters. God said, leave it alone. Didn't he? That's the only thing that should matter. And that's the only safe place for a human being. Because entertaining all this other stuff, every time you think about it, you inch a little bit closer to the tree. Let me get a little better look at that. See, you're already giving in. You're already, you're halfway swallowing. What do you mean? The moment God's wisdom was challenged, they should have said, you get out of here. You get out of here. And they should have turned around and went home. Is that right? But hung around, listened to what he had to say. Looking at it, considering it, toying with it, playing with it, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. 
I'm going to be somebody. A God. I'm going to know stuff. Cosmic stuff. Yeah, you're about to die. You're about to be kicked out of your perfect home. You're about to experience pain and curse. And be cut off. It all comes back to do you trust him. It all comes back. When the woman saw it was like this. She she took the fruit and ate it. She acted on it. And I mean that's, that's it. The moment she took that and bit into it. She maybe imagined, you know, that it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It was a big deal. It was a huge, he gave it to her husband. And I don't know if he was thinking, I, don't, I can't, whatever happens to her is going to happen to me too. We're in this together. I don't know. It was wrong thinking all the way around. He took it too. And immediately their innocence was gone. They started having wrong thoughts. They did die spiritually right then. It took almost a millennia for their bodies to die. 930 years was it for Adam before he died? Why? Your body wasn't designed to die. It was designed to be, the cells to be replaced with new ones every so many years so that you live indefinitely. But when they were driven out of the, uh, the garden, God said, lest they take of the tree of life and live forever. Mm-hmm. We see the tree of life mentioned in the book of Revelation. Yeah. You and I are dependent on God. Yes. See, they had to have that incoming, what God made in the tree of life, They had to have that on a regular basis to keep living indefinitely. Mm -hmm. And without that, they eventually died physically. You and I need God. We have to have him. And do we trust him? If he says don't do that, no matter how much your flesh cries for it, do you trust him or not? Do you trust him? Somebody say, Lord, I trust you. I choose to trust you. I choose to trust you. Hallelujah. I choose to trust you. If he says it's sin, I don't care if 90% of the world decides it's okay. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to trust? Now, you see it all around you. The Bible said, in fact, go to, go to Romans 12, and I'm thinking about closing. Romans 12, the enemy's tactics are subtle and crafty and cunning, but they are also manipulative. He is a pusher, a forcer. If you don't resist him, and stand up to him. He'll come in and take over. But if you resist him in faith. He'll run. He'll flee. Romans 12 and 1. 
By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or worship. Verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hold your place there and look in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3. Though we walk in the flesh, that's what's happening right now in this life, we don't war after the flesh. Our weapons are not carnal or fleshly, but they are real and they are mighty, they are powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What did we just get through? See, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By what? By what? The renewing of what? Your mind. What happens in your mind? Thoughts. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices slash thoughts. And here in 2 Corinthians 10, keep reading, keep reading. Casting down what? Imaginations. Is that what was going on in the garden out there by that tree? What's the enemy saying? Imagine. Visualize. (laughs) What this will taste like. And what? How can anything look that amazing? Be bad. Is that something you need to figure out? It's simple. Oh, come on, come on, church. It's simple. God said. God said. That's all you need to know. I said that's all you need to know. God said, don't eat it. What else do I need to know about that? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, but, and what if, and, and how come? No, uh-uh. We make it hard on ourselves when we toy with things. We make it hard on ourselves when we play with it. Consider it. Think about it. Listen about it. We make it hard on ourselves. When it's easy, if you just go, uh uh-uh, God said, done. Yeah, but what about, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, but no. No. Simplicity that is in Christ. Don't let the cunning and craftiness of the enemy corrupt your mind. And remove it from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity means singleness. There's only one thing. Remember Martha and Mary? The, the Lord said, Mary has chosen that good thing. That one thing is needful. One thing is necessary. And it won't be taken away from her. Now people imagine themselves to be more intellectually developed because more broad-minded. They, they can consider and, and take in things. Don't realize they're being dumb, dumb, dumb. Playing with fire. Imagining yourself to be 
more aware and knowledgeable than you are. You can't be. You've been alive this long. Right. That's right. The one trying to deceive you has successfully tripped up, deceived, robbed, stolen, killed, destroyed billions of human beings. You're talking about heard it all, seen it all. You are never going to match wits with him and outthink him and outtalk him. And if he can get you over in the realm of reasoning and keep you there, he will eventually deceive you and trip you up. But if you keep him over in the realm of simple, God said it. That's right. Not much he can do with you. Because you won't listen to it. You won't entertain it. You're safe. Casting down imaginations. That's the word for reasonings. Calculations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When we see an ugly anti-God disrespectful to God thought we ought to grab it by the throat say what are you doing here (laughs) shut up (laughs) boom this is something that happens between your ears between your ears and people may not have a clue about what's going on between your ears But you better and I better grab it. And that word casting down, that's a strong word. Throw it down. Slam it down. Slap it down. What? Any idea, any thought, any suggestion that exalts itself. See, when the enemy said, you you won't surely die. That's a blatant contradiction to what their creator God told them. To stand there and keep listening to that is proof positive. You don't trust your God. You don't trust him. You don't trust his path for you. You don't trust his way for you. We've all made mistakes. We can grow. I said we can grow. We can learn. And we can decide. I know years ago I was going somewhere and it was a nice summer day and I was in the car and had the window down and stopping at a signal light by myself in the car and all at once this thought just dawned on me so clear. God is smarter than me. <laughs> now, you may be left, you may think, well, Brother Keith, you didn't know that. Well, not like I did now. What do you mean? I, I saw it. I saw it. He made me. He knows what I know and what I don't know. He knows what I'm graced and where I'm not graced. He knows and he's smarter than me. If I get to looking at something thinking this is what I want and he says, I don't want that for you. Help help me out, church. He's smarter than me. Is he or not? Is he smarter than me? If he says, leave that tree alone, is he smarter than you? Whether you know it or not, are there lots of reasons for you to leave the tree alone? Well, maybe he could explain it to me. Well, then there wouldn't be any faith involved. You either trust him or you don't. 
And a lot of stuff he couldn't explain to you anyway. It's over your head. He'd tell you all about it and you'd be moon-eyed and go, huh? And he'd just smile and go, just leave the tree alone. <laughs> but I, I realized if there's something I'm all, you know, thinking I, I want this, I want to do this, and I want to be this. And the Lord says, no, that's, that's not what I want for you. I can quote what the master said. He said, I delight to do thy will, O God. That's, right. that's not based on feeling right. or senses. I can say, right, if you don't like it, I don't like it. And my flesh is going, oh, we like it. You say, shut up, shut up. Uh-uh. If he don't like it, I don't like it. Or if there's something that you're thinking, oh, that's, yeah, that's not me. That's not my call. That's not my grace. And the Lord says, I want you to do that. You go, right. You know, now that I look at it, <laughs> right? We've done that more than once. Now, now that I look at it, if you like it for me, what? He's smarter. Come on, help me out. He's smarter than I am. Do I trust him? Then when he says, get out of that, leave that alone. Don't touch that. No matter how much your flesh wants it, or your eyes want it, or pride wants it, let's don't be fools. Let's don't let the enemy play us. Remove us from the simplicity. How am I going to run my race? How am I going to finish my course? Jesus is the Word made flesh. And the Bible said, lay aside every weight. Lay aside the sin that easily ties us up and entangles us and besets us. And run with perseverance your race. It's not a sprint. You set your pace. And you keep the pace. How do you do it? Not looking over here, not looking over there, not listening to the lies of the enemy, not looking behind you, looking to Jesus. How'd he do it? When the enemy came and tried to misquote scripture to him and everything else, what did he say? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. He said, you worship the Lord your God, him only shall you worship he didn't let the enemy for one moment corrupt his mind from the simplicity of God said, and it's right, and it's the only way. Right. And we live in a world where people are saying all manner of things that God said is wrong is okay. And just, just ignoring the word. And the thing is, that's not enough for them. Is that the enemy has no live and let live option. It's not enough if you say, well, I don't believe like that, but you know, you whatever you want to do, it's, it's, you know, the world, you can do what you want to do. No, there is this push to force you to accept it and to believe it and to be conformed to this world. And tolerance is the first step to conformity. Well, okay, you don't have to accept it, but, you know, just, you know, tolerate. But that won't be the end of it. I'm telling you, that will not be the end of it. If you say, well, you know, live like you want to live. No, that's not going to be enough for the enemy. He's going to try to force you to embrace and accept. Well, it's just what you believe. It's what you believe. No, no, no. Being a Christian is submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. Yes, sir. Is that right? Yes, sir. 
He is the Word made flesh. And as a real Christian, I don't have the option of deciding what I want to believe. I have a book. I have a book. And the book tells me right, wrong, good, evil, acceptable, unacceptable, pleasing to God, abomination to God. And it doesn't matter what I think about it. That's right. And I cannot entertain anything else. Or else am I pretending to be a Christian? There's a lot of pretending. Imagining. Do not argue with people about what you think versus what they think. What you believe versus what they believe. What your church preaches versus what you think or they think. Bring it back to the book. Is that right? Back to the book. Every issue. And you say it's not a matter of my choice. What I want to believe or not. I, I, I submit to this book. Regardless of what I think. The book is right. God is right. About everything. All the time. You say, well I just don't see it that way. Well. God's right. Always has been. Always will be. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.